also want to start off by thanking this beautiful woman right here, my amazing wife who puts up with all my crap. Next Friday, we are celebrating 22 years of marriage. And that, that yes, clap, because that within itself is a miracle, because if you know me and know me well, I'm hard to be around sometimes. I also want to thank Jamie and Lisa for continually trusting me with the pulpit and trusting me in leading you guys <clears throat> where the Lord takes me. And before we get started, I want to say a quick prayer. Father, I'm thankful to be in the house this morning. I'm thankful to be in front of family. Father, I hope that you give them a little fire under their butts this morning so they'll participate with me because we're going to be doing a lot of talking. Father, we love you. We lift this message and this moment and this worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me start off by telling you guys that I am thankful for a few things that I learned in 2023. Around November, I start to kind of look back at the year and kind of really think, okay, what have I learned? What have I really internalized? What really matters from everything that I've been shown? <clears throat> so first few things. Also, there's not going to be a whole lot of slides because I got lazy. So I'm sorry. But first thing I learned was patience. <clears throat> Any of you guys that have ever had your own business or been in the small business know that patience is definitely a virtue and something that you have to lean into. Now, as a human being, I don't have a whole lot of patience. I tend to want it now when I decide I want it. So I usually get it. But with business, sometimes it's not that simple. Sometimes you have to be patient and pray and wait. <clears throat> and what I've learned this year is that when you do that and you wait and you pray and you take it out of your hands and put it in his, everything changes. I've also learned perseverance because also owning a small business perseverance is key because you're going to get hit below the waist more than you want to admit. Financially, spiritually, mentally, you're going to work more hours than you ever thought. I had the misconception that starting my own business was going to give me more freedom. Right? It did give me freedom to stay up all night and work. <laughs> so, which I thankfully am not doing as much as I used to. But... <clears throat> It's also helped me really, really test something that I've preached and preached and preached and preached and preached, and that is faith. And you guys know that when I get up here, I speak a lot about something called audacious faith. Faith when it doesn't make sense to have faith. And I'm telling you, 2023, you thought the pandemic was crazy. For me, 2023 has been a little bonkers. The blessings that he has shown me has really tested my faith, and that might not make sense, but sometimes when something looks too good to be true and you have to really weigh, is this God or is it not, your faith really gets checked. But the most important thing I've learned in 2023, <clears throat> and let me be humble, open, and honest with you, I have a hard time showing this sometimes because I am very stubborn, but the biggest thing I've learned in 2023 is that Jesus is always at the beginning and the end of every answer you're looking for. So you guys know I love motorcycles. I talk a lot about motorcycles. I, I can't not talk about motorcycles. So I was out riding my chopper when we still had some weather to ride, ride my chopper. And I was riding the bike, and I was thinking, man, I built this. You guys aren't excited as I am. You guys need to ride a bicycle or a motorcycle or something and get that fire stoked up in you. But I was so very excited because I, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'd already taken it to some chopper shows. I'd shown it off. I'd really, like, the novelty had almost wore off. But I was out riding with my brother, Mike, and we're carving up some twisties, 
look that up if you don't know what that means. And, and we're having an absolute blast. And all of a sudden, it hit me, this really heavy weight. I wouldn't be sitting on this bike, maybe breaking a few laws, but I wouldn't have been sitting on this bike had he not given me the skills, the ability, the time, and the finances to build it. But also, the most important thing was is he gave me a vision that started off as a motorcycle and turned into what is now in 2024 going to help people. And I just, I just, I got overwhelmed to the point that my eyes got blurry. And I was like, this is not good when we're going this fast. But I had to say to myself, this is all because of you, Jesus. And I realized when I said that, that was probably one of the first times in my 43 years of existence that I acknowledged verbally in that statement, this is all because of you, Jesus. And what that did is it caused an avalanche of me looking at things in my life and getting really, really, really thankful. Now, to a lot of people in my life lately, that's looked like Frank's gotten really quiet and he's not happy. And a lot of people have been a little sad for me. But the reality is I've been more assured in my faith and the things that he's called me to do in my life than I ever have. But one thing I want to tell you is that even through all that, when I was building that bike, there were ups and downs. There were times where I cut the frame in half and went, oh, crap. I'm off by an inch. Right? There were times, this is silly and trite little examples, but we can take it a little bit bigger. There were times in 2023 where I was like, I, I, I don't know if I can do all this work. I'm going to have to hire somebody to help me. I don't think I can afford to do that. There were times when I didn't know if I was going to have enough money coming at the, at the end of the month for us to pay our bills. But every time Jesus met me, 100% of the time on my worst days, I'm still standing in front of you whole well and healed because he met me 100% of the time and every day that I thought was the absolute worst. And I'm telling you today, before we even get into the message, and I'm going to try not to get too excited already, but he's met you 100% in every worst day you've ever had, in every worst moment. Now, how many here can tell me by a raise of their hands that the holidays are stressful? Some of you are liars. <laughs> I heard that. We, and we also can agree that on top of that, 2023 has been a little bit crazy. Now, it may not have been pandemic-level crazy for you, but it has been crazy. Things are more expensive. Our eggs cost a million dollars for 12, right? Milk's gone up. All this stuff is more expensive. I, I didn't drink milk for years, and recently due to some health issues, I had to start drinking some milk. And I was like, holy crap, a gallon of milk is like four bucks somewhere. Wow, it used to be like $1.50. Like, I'm blown away at how hard things are getting financially. And it seems like sometimes in some people's lives, especially some people's in my life, that 2023 has even been a darker time than 2020 was or 2019. And I've really kind of tried to internalize that and have grace for those people. And I'm a very impatient person. Sometimes I'm not the great with grace, that great with grace. But I had to really start internalizing and thinking through prepping, prepping this message what exactly may have brought them to that point? Well, <clears throat> what we're going to talk, to talk about today is three things that I think are promises that God gave us to get through the holidays. 
One thing I want to start off with is we have to have hearts of gratitude and be mindful of all that Jesus has done and is going to do in our lives. We, we hear this all the time. We see it on signs everywhere. I, I kind of giggle at it, but Jesus is the reason for the season. Now, while that is true, I want to ask you a question. Is he really? Did Jesus need Christmas sitting at the right hand of the Father? Think about it. Does Jesus need a Christmas tree? Does Jesus need Santa Claus? Does Jesus need Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Or I want a hippopotamus for Christmas? I'd like, to, I'd like to pass a petition around right now who wants to help me remove that song from the Christmas playlist because this is one of the most atrocious songs on the face of the planet. But yet, still somehow every Christmas I look forward to hating it. That said, we still need to keep Jesus at the forefront of Christmas because what we're really celebrating is the greatest gift we have ever been given, and that is Jesus on earth to rise back to heaven, to come back to give us him to live with inside us. Now, a few years ago, I started to... I'm getting ahead of myself. What I really want to do is, is, is Justin will get this because we're both nerds about this stuff, but I want to take a moment and put a different lens on our cameras and look through something, a different filter, and see Jesus in this season and the promises in a little bit of a different way. Maybe you've heard this before, maybe you haven't, but the way I'm going to deliver it to you today, I hope will help. <clears throat> I started playing worship music again, I don't know, was it 15 years ago? I used to go to this Baptist church. They used to meet in the old elementary school. I would go play with them occasionally. And <clears throat> they, they did the thing that, that all the Baptist churches in the world, you, you remember Jimmy Reinick's church. I used to go play. I can't remember the name of it. But I'd go play with these guys. And the pastor, every time worship got, got done, would get up and go, God is great. That is not how that goes. God is great all the time. You guys aren't Baptists. All the time, God is great. And they would recite that back and forth a few times. But I always thought it was a little silly and trite, and I didn't like it, and I used to make fun of it. But I find myself singing it and saying it to myself more often than not because I have to remind myself that God is great all the time. And all the time, God is great. So let's try that again. Like I said, I need you guys to participate with, this, with me this morning. God is great. And all the time. All right, one more thing. Say, say with me, God is with us. God with us, Emmanuel. So we're going to talk about three things. First thing, God with us. Isaiah 7, 14 in the NIV says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and all will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. It's actually translated God is with us. But we say, God with us. Say it again, God with us. Let's practice it again because you're going to say it a lot this morning. God with us. I hope that I can help drill that into your head that he's with us at all times. He's with us in every step. He's with us in everything that we do. And this season is to remind us that he was born so that he, in the end, could be with us. The great thing I find in the word Emmanuel is that very pronunciation is an invitation to relationship with him. In Isaiah 7, 14, when it says they will call him Emmanuel, you can read it this way. They will call him God with us. You can take it a step further and read it God with me. It helps me a lot of the times when I'm reading scriptures to really personalize them and make them about me and not a generality. So God with me. 
God with you. God with you, Scott. God with you. He's with you. Deuteronomy 31, 18 in the NIV goes another step, and it says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will be Emmanuel. He will never leave or forsake you. So do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God with us. He's with us in the lowest places, the darkest places, the worst places, the places where we don't think he's even going to be there. We can't hear, see, or feel him. He's there. He's also there in the celebrations at the mountaintops. I had an opportunity last year. I think it was last year. I don't know. A year ago-ish to go to Spruce Knob and take some pictures. I'd never been to Spruce Knob. I didn't understand the mountaintop that I was about to ascend. And when I got to the very top and you get to the parking lot and you're like, oh, that, that's cool. It's beautiful up here. You're surrounded by evergreen trees. It's absolutely gorgeous. But you have no idea what's about to happen when you walk through the path. You kind of meander along and then they tease you with a little overlook. And you're like, oh, man, that's beautiful. And then you walk a little bit more and you're like, this looks like a whole other planet up here. I don't, I've never seen topography like this, but then you come to the end of the path and it opens up into the great expanse and you see for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles and the clouds are almost so low that you feel like you can reach up and touch them. And the first time that I ever went there, I, I said, this must be what heaven's like. This must be heaven. Well, fast forward a few months later, I got to go back to Spruce Knob with no intention other than just to go sit there. I took a very close friend of mine. My, my soul brother. And we, we, we drove and we got there and we went to the very top of the mountain. And when we walked through, we sat there in his presence for like two hours. And it was the first time in my life that I realized that God's with me in the happiest moments. Not just when things are the darkest or when I feel like I need him the most. 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 Mike Tyson just came out. I feel like I need him the most. Anyway. He's always there. And just sitting on a bench at the top of this mountain, I had my camera with me. I mean, how could I not? It's the most beautiful place, in my opinion, that I've ever seen. I couldn't bring myself to turn it on. And while you would think that being a photographer, the one thing that I want to always do is have a camera and capture every moment, I didn't want to spoil the moment of the sweetness of him sitting next to me holding my hand as I cried. See, even in the most happiest of places, he's there. But the most important thing you have to realize is he sees you through every struggle you go through. I believe in this season it's even more important for us to lean on him. We can get so wrapped up in the Christmas lights and decorating the tree and joy, joy to the world. The Lord has come. How many times have we sang that but never received the fact that we're speaking joy, the Lord has came? We're just reciting it because we're singing it in a group setting, in Christmas caroling. Holidays are hard. Now, I'm preparing myself to go through a pretty hard holiday myself with the one thing that brings me the most stress, family. My mom's watching this. She's going to punch me later, but family. I'm not looking forward to Christmas Day. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to go sit with my family. I'm stressed to the gills about it because of what may happen. But there are also so many distractions. We've got to decorate the house. We've got to bake the cookies. I've got to buy all the presents. 
And then in my notes, you would think this was funny if I actually let you read them, but it says family, family, stress, in parentheses, family. As we all know, as much as we love our family, we want to call them brothers and sisters and moms and dads, sometimes we want to slap them silly, right? Maybe it's just me, but my family gets on my nerves. I love them to death. But this season is full of some of the highest statistics of depression, panic because I don't have enough money to buy the presents, but most importantly, suicidal thoughts. People that are alone on the holidays who get lost and don't hear his voice, people who don't have the money to buy their kids the presents. That's one of the highest rates of suicide ever. And I I read the statistic, and I didn't put it in my notes, and I should have because it's pretty astounding. But what we have to remember is how big our God is, how powerful he is, how much he wants to have relationship with you. So I'm going to tell you a little story. This story in my notes is called The Bully Story, and it may or may not involve me. All right, it does. So <clears throat> I, used to, I grew up on a road called Stone Road in South Hills, West Virginia. It was like the poorest section of South Hills, if there is one. But it, like, I visited it just a few, min- few months ago, and it looks like slums. And it's kind of what it looked like when we grew up there. So we, we were always surrounded by people that were better than us. But what I had to do is, I had, if you're familiar with the area, I had to walk from Stone Road all the, way up Bridge, all the way up Hickory Road to Bridge Road so I could catch the bus. And that was an everyday thing. And it was about a, if I really had humped it, I probably could have made the walk in 15 minutes. But for me, it took 45 <laughs> because I messed with every fence and yard and everything I could find. But that's beside the point. There also was another guy that used to come <clears throat> to the bus, and he lived right next to the bus stop, and his name was Carter. And on the way to the bus stop, I would pass who would become one of my closest friends through school and later in life, I would pass Aaron's house. Carter had a problem with me. I'm not sure what it was. Maybe it was because I was prettier. I definitely was prettier. But Carter was bigger than me, and he would pick on me and try to throw me under the bus and always talking about my mom. You know mom jokes, how deep those can cut. But we were basically sworn enemies from the time we met each other. And it went on for a few years. And finally, one day, it came time to square up. And he beat the crap out of me. So I went home, and I told my dad, and I got beat. And he wanted to know why my face was all bloody from my nose and my eyes. And he said, well, just punch him and run. You're kind of fast for a fat kid. I mean, if you knew my dad, you'd know that's, I love you. So... So that's the mindset that I came. So the next morning, I'd had enough. I thought, this is it. Today's my day. I'm going to take him out. I'll die today, but I'm going to try. He said something about my mama and squared up against me, and we were about chest to chest. And about that time, I heard this deep voice come behind me say, no, 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 he's with me today. And when I turned around, there was Aaron. Now, Aaron was junior in high school and probably six foot one, six foot two, weighed about 350 pounds. He was a monster. Carter was about 5'11", maybe weighed 180 pounds, but was sporty. He was the sporty, sporty spice, right? He, he was the sport coupe. Aaron was the tank. And when I turned around, I thought, crap, I'm going to get beat up by Aaron today too. 
And so I said, no, 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 I have no problem with you. And he said, no, 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 you're with me. And he looked at Carter and he said, from now on, he's with me. You don't touch him or mess with him. He's mine. Sounds like I joined a gang that day. But that's besides the point. What I did was join a brotherhood of people who looked out for each other, who was led by the biggest. And I'd forgotten about that story until I was preparing for this and thinking about how big my God is. And that day, Aaron embodied it. Because all the time, right behind me, God's standing there ready to throw a punch for me. Now, that might be a little more graphic than you want to hear, but that's how my head thinks. Right? He's always ready to take up for me. He's always ready to remind me of the victory that we've already won. He's always, always got my back. How big is your God? Do you know that he sees you? James 4.8, draw near to me and he will draw near to you. This is where two important things come in, and there are two really important things you've heard, if you've heard me preach. I preach a lot about, and that's faith, but that comes with trust. This is where these two things come in. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Uh, that might contradict a little bit of, of what I've already said, because the way we read that, draw near to God, and he will then draw near to you. That's not what it means. It means when you draw near or to God, you've allowed him closer to you by just making the motion. I hope today that this will help you get to that place where you can say, I choose to trust you even when I can't track you. There were times after Aaron took me under his wing that Carter still wanted to beef it up. But I had to trust that Aaron had my back. That gave me the confidence to stand firm in my footsteps and not move when he tried to push me into the bus. That gave me confidence to take on what was seemingly a giant in my life because I knew I had a bigger one. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance and what we cannot see. That's the really hard thing about faith is it requires us to believe something we can't touch, feel, or see. It requires me to believe the smoke and mirrors behind the curtain. It requires me to believe that I have no answer, but it's still going to work. I have no answers, but he's still going to show up. I don't know how I'm going to get better, but he's still going to find a way. See, we're talking about hope for the holidays this morning, but I need you to understand that hope for the holidays can't be built on feelings and emotions. Feelings and emotions are what basically fuel our culture today and lead us into a path where we forget that we actually need the Father. See, faith is a choice. Feelings are a choice. So you have to make the conscientious choice to choose faith and believe that he's going to make it happen and that you don't have to. Now, I'm not saying that you don't need to put in a little bit of work. I can't do the things I'm going to do in 2024 with my business if I don't stay up late, travel to places for time periods of time that I don't necessarily want to, talk to people, talk to people, embark upon things that I know alone I can't do. 
I have to put in some of the work. So you have to put in some of the work to say, okay, 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 I don't know how I'm going to make this work this, this season. I don't know how I can go into that house and break bread with these people that I'd really want to strangle without you. Because if we lean on our faith and our emotions, I would probably end up going out in handcuffs. Let's be real here. Say God with us. Emmanuel, say it again, God with us. Let's believe it. Say it again louder, God with us. That's better. I also believe that in times like this, we can feel the most separated from God. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'll say it a couple of times, and I hope you catch what I mean. But the distance that we feel, that separation that we can feel from God, and this is coming from recent experience, It's not between God and us. It's between us and God. Because God never makes the decision to turn his back on you. Holy Spirit never says, stinks in here, I'm going next door. He never makes an attempt to pull away from us. We create the distance. So let me say that again. I believe that that distance comes from, is not coming from God and us, but coming from us to God. Again, I tell you, I'm speaking from personal experience. I have to remember that the distance that I feel is not him pulling away from me. It's not him trying to speak to me. It's me putting in my ear pods and listening to things that I shouldn't be in the moment and not hearing what he's trying to say. I just said ear pods, didn't I? That's wrong. Uh, maybe I'll start a new company, ear pods. Anyway, so the distance that we create, no matter how much we wander, He's always a few steps behind us because what do we say numerous times in the Bible? What does he tell us that he is what? Well, he is good, and he is good all the time. But my point there is he is our shepherd. How many times have you heard yourselves ref re referred to as sheep? Yeah? Let's be honest. This is some of my favorite times when I'm preaching. How many of you have thought that's stupid? I don't want to be a sheep. Why can't I be a lion or like a liger or like, if you know what that is, I love you. Uh, <clears throat> or a hawk, falcon, not a bald eagle because they're bald, right? The reason we're referred to as sheep is sheep, sheep you're not going to put the load that you want to carry up the mountain on a sheep's back, are you? No, because they're not load-bearing animals. They're actually kind of dumb when you research them. Don't take this. I'm not saying you're dumb. They're actually kind of dumb. that they, they, they walk up the cliffs and fall off just because they're sheep. They can't survive unless they have a shepherd. They can't survive unless they have somebody 10 or 15 steps behind them with a crook kind of pulling them back in the line. See, a shepherd doesn't walk in front. He walks behind so he can see his entire flock. Say, make room. Oh, come on, say it again. Look at your neighbor and say, make room. Now, in 2023, I can attest through proof that the song Make Room was sung numerous times in this building. Was it not? We have to make room for him in our lives. We have to make a conscientious choice to open up a door in our hearts and let him slide in and let him begin to show us exactly 
We sang it this morning, who we are. Step two, God will rescue you. Say that, God will rescue me. So we're not going to put this up on the, uh, on the screen because I don't want to read through all of it because, well, it's long and I have a hard time pronunciating things sometimes. But I want to talk about a prime example in the Bible where God rescued three people. Three people. And, and you, get to, you get to be, what's the right word? You get to be exposed to how Frank thinks in his head when I tell the story. I want to talk this morning real quick about Daniel 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego, what a name is that? So <clears throat> King Nebuchadnezzar tells these three that, or actually he makes a decree in the kingdom that everybody's going to worship this idol. Pay attention, come in, come in, come in with me. The king has said, you're going to worship this idol. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no way, not today. We're not, we're not bowing down. In fact, he goes further and decrees that you will bow at this idol and not worship your God, but you will worship this idol. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no way, Jose. Well, the king goes a step further and he says, well, bow or I'm going to throw you in the fire. And they say, no. So he says, bow, or I'm going to throw you in the fire, and I'm going to turn it all the way up. They say no, so he does that. He puts them in the fire, and in fact, he turns the fire up so hot that the guards that put them in get consumed by it. So as they're in the fire, and the king Nebuchadnezzar sets back to watch and take joy in the fact that he's now taking these three buttheads out, he looks in the sea, not one, not two, not three, but four and he says who's that there's a fourth man did we not just put three in I see a fourth see Shadrach Meshach and Abednego said no and st stood firm in their faith because they knew one key thing their God would do what read it right so when the king looked inside the fire and he saw that there was a fourth, he was bewildered and he, and he motioned for them. I guess he motioned to have it read it that way, but in my head he was like, get out! And they come out of the fire. Clothes were unscathed. Skin was still intact. There was no char marks, but there was only three. Now, I'd like to think that the dude, like, jaw hit the floor and he fell over, maybe passed out, maybe twitched a little. I don't know. Maybe the spirit hit him. But he said, your God has blessed you and your God is blessed. You can worship him. They stood up in faith, looking at death. Can you imagine how painful that would have been, the throwing in that fire? I'd burn my finger on a hot cup of coffee and I'm like crying for a day. They were assured their God would rescue them. Their trust and faith in the Father was so strong. My prayer today and through the preparation of this message is that God burns away everything that is keeping you from seeing Him. And through that burning, through that shaking of the chaff, He reveals to you where you need to grow and where He wants to take you. Because the most important thing that the Father wants to do is tell you who you are. Isaiah 3, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flame will not consume you. Say, God will rescue us. Yes. 
Say it again, but make it personal. God will rescue me. Every time you have a mountain to cross, God is going to rescue you and shepherd you through it. Part three, God will restore you. Say that with me. God will restore you. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I'm going to read that part again. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not be faint. The word renew. Now, you guys, most of you know I'm a nerd, a word nerd. I love words. And when I, like, I like to look at words and see how many words come from a word. I like to do that with the Bible too. I like to exegetically study it and go deeper than what the actual print says and see what the Greek or the Hebrew meant and then take that word and see the many words that made up that word and go deeper. I get really, really into it because when you take the time to take your shovel out and dig through the Word of God, you're going to find so many treasures. What do we call those things back in the day with the DVDs? Easter eggs. You're going to find so many Easter eggs and <laughs> you're going to find so many Easter eggs in the Bible. That's kind of funny. Anyway, <clears throat> you're going to find so many things that weren't very clear to you. So I like to do the same thing with words. So let's talk about the word renew. Let's look at some definitions. And this is the Frank Miller definition of renew. To make like new. <clears throat> to revive. To rebuild. To reset. Restart. Refresh. Reset, restart, refresh. How many times do you have to reset, restart, and refresh your computer? I had to do it twice while I was working on, working on this message because updates kept coming in. I had to. I thought it was very ironic that maybe a little coincidental that I'd had to hit restart and tell it to restart so that it was thinking more clear so I could save and share my files. And then when I made my presentation, I had to reset it and refresh it to get it to update so that I could share my files. I had to restart it in the very end because all the updates had finished, and it wasn't until that point that I could actually export my presentation and my notes onto my iPad and to the thumb drive for the computer. And I thought in that moment, I thought, I have to reset, refresh, and renew myself before I can truly, truly, truly speak the love of the Father into someone else's life. Sometimes we have to hit that pause button and allow the Father to restore us in the places that we're hurt the most, in the places that are the darkest. We go through holidays and we miss our loved ones that are gone. We, 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 we know we're going to have an argument over the ambrosia pudding that nobody likes. We know, we know we're going to fight over who, who gets to open their presents first. I, I fight over that. I like presents. You know, my point is that... <clears throat> And these times when we get busier and busier and more stressed and more stressed, we have to make a conscious effort to stop and reset. We have to make a conscious effort to choose Him and let Him flip that switch inside of us. I'm going to tell you something I tell you every time I get in this pulpit and challenge you to take the first 15 minutes of your day and spend it with the Lord. And tell me exactly what happens in your life. You can find me on Facebook. You can email me at Chris Tomlin at ChrisTomlin.com. But seriously, take the first 15 minutes of your day. Now, if you get up and you have to go right to work when you get up because you're one of those people who sleep to the very last second, 
they absolutely can, then get up earlier and let that be your work to start the day because take the first five minutes and get in the Word. Just open your Bible. It doesn't have to be purposefully planned. You can just open it and point your finger at it. You can do the scroll and dump. When you find the right one, you read that one, and you can move on. Internalize it for five minutes, and the next five minutes, pray about it. And those are two pretty easy things to do, but the last five minutes, do the hardest thing it is to do by yourself in worship. Whatever that looks like. Raise your hands to the sky. Raise your hands to heaven and just sing, God, you're good. It doesn't even have to be pretty, and if you can't sing, shout it. But take a few minutes and spend time with God first thing. Make that choice and see what happens in your daily life. I guarantee you things that are scaring you, things that are stressing you, things that are starting to not make sense are going to start to not stress you, not scare you, and start to make sense. I believe it's God's promise that in His restoration, it's going to create a season of rest for you. Now, that sounds silly. We're talking about one of the busiest times in the year for everybody, and I'm telling you that if you do it right, you can invite a season of rest into your life that comes through restoration. Matthew 11:28 in the New Living Translation, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you... He didn't say, I will give you stress. He didn't say, I will give you scared. He didn't say, I will give you whole crap. He said, I will give you rest. All he said to do there was come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdened. Now, I am under the impression that every person under the sound of my voice, both in the room and online and who will watch this in the future, are all weary and heavy burdened somewhere in their life. Because after all, we're not Jesus. We weren't created perfect. And we have things and areas in our life that continually want to trip us. I'm asking you this morning to trade in your broken pieces for whole pieces for the puzzle he wants to create for you. I hate puzzles. I hate them. It's the most boring. Like, Who wants to sit around a table and take pieces of a picture and put them together? I don't. It's dumb. And half the time I can't find all the pieces and I get frustrated and it's not done. It takes too long. Angie likes puzzles. She likes puzzles a lot. We don't do very many puzzles. When was the last time we did a puzzle? I think we've done one together. Yeah, I put in one piece. But my point is that he wants to give you all the pieces to the puzzle that he's creating in your life because when you get all the pieces put together, you're going to have a final picture of who he says you are. Now, I don't like puzzles, but that's a puzzle that I personally want to build and a puzzle that sometimes I forget to pick up my piece that day. And I'm telling you, those days that I forget end up being some of the hardest days that I have. I worship pastor, worship leader, Israel Houghton. Who's, who's familiar with Israel? Like three people. He's pretty awesome. If you haven't heard of him, go, go Google him. You'll, you'll be blessed by him. He's, he's funky. Funky, funky. But he did a whole album called Jesus at the Center. And they, they did it. They did the album live at a place that had the center in the name. And when I was first coming into worship and first coming into this life, I thought that, that was, the name of the album was Jesus at the Center. I can't remember. It's like I don't know. It was someplace in Texas. Then it took me a few years to realize what it meant was Jesus at the center of my life, Jesus at the center of your life. Because this season, the reason for the season is to remind us that Jesus came so that he could be the center. 
He could be the center of our life. He could be the real reason for the season. So I want to give you two more scriptures. Some of my favorite places in the Bible are Psalms and Proverbs. Psalm 29.11, NIV. The Lord gives strength to His people. The Lord blesses His people with peace. Hey, Jen, will you come play? We'll read that again. Psalm 29.11. The Lord gives strength to His people. The Lord blesses His people with peace. That's the thing is when He gives you the strength to get through the season, He's also going to pair that with a nice side, side dish of peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that makes absolutely zero sense that you're having it in the times that you're about to go through or the times that you're going through. See, that's the wonderful thing about faith and trust is when you lean into it, He's going to give you that peace that makes zero sense. When the Bible says that it passes all understanding, it truly means that you're going to be dumbfounded by it when you truly find it. Because you're going to walk out and see a flat tire on your car and not throw a wrench at it. You're going to get cut off in traffic and not give them the universal salute. I'm not guilty of that. You're going to be able to interact with those family members that are the hardest to interact with through grace, love, and mercy and not headlocks and noogies. I'm speaking that into my own situation. You're going to be able to see past the problem and see the person. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Jesus wants you to not only feel Him, see Him, be in, have Him be inside you, but He wants you to speak Him. And speaking Him is speaking life. So the next scripture, Psalm 32, 7, You are my hiding place. This is David speaking to God. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble and you put songs in my heart because you have saved me. Paul and David are two of my favorite characters in the Bible. Characters. I don't really like that word characters because characters to me sounds fictitious. But Paul and David were real. I first identified with David because David was a worshiper at heart, and I'm a worshiper at heart. I like to pick up my guitar and sing my head off and worship. David was also a bit crazy. <clears throat> he wasn't afraid to pick up five smooth stones and go after a giant on his own because he had an errand behind him. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid to dance through the street worship na worshiping naked because it says that he did that. Crazy. But David wrote this psalm, and he said, You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble, and you put songs in my heart because you have saved me. Say, God with me. Emmanuel, God with me. Say, God will rescue me. And look at your neighbor and say, God will restore me. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We'll, we'll begin closing. So, Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the hearts that have received it and the hearts that truly know that you are actually the reason for the season. Father, I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice can receive this message in a peaceful and happy way and know that it was put here just to encourage them to seek you first 
in everything that you do. They do not just Christmas, not just New Year's, not just holidays, but every day. Because really the message should have been titled, Hope for Every Day. Father, I pray if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that has been that has been going through suicidal thoughts, that has been scared to even get to Christmas Day, that thinks they probably can't even make it to Christmas Day, that think they can't even make it through today, I Father, I pray that you touch them right now. Father, I pray that you lay a peace on them that doesn't make any sense. They didn't ask for it. They necessarily didn't even want it. But Father, I'm speaking right now into their life that you will touch them and help them see you and not the issues and the trouble. I don't know if they're in the room or if they're on the internet or even if it's in the future, but I know that you gave this to me last night for a reason. Father, I pray that that touches them and that blesses them. Father, we love you. And we lift all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.